Have you heard of the Bellsmith? If not, you need to check them out. You can find them on Facebook or Instagram. They make the most unique bells. I currently have them making one for me and my son after our trip to Omaha. They are known for making the most unique bells for supporting the Mississippi State Bulldogs. They have a line of game day bells, plus their premium artillery, grand slam, lefty, pirate, swashbuckler, and junction bells. So check them out today and get your custom-made bell. everybody it's time for the in off the bench podcast i am daniel ball and i'm joined as always by my co-host my partner in crime my brother from another mother jim cross and jim tonight's episode 20 titled jollywood in a few minutes we got former mississippi state bulldog current base performance trainer and owner of stud muffins trey jolly joining us but before trey joins us jim man you had a Amazing weekend, a great weekend, a, a weekend to remember, man. So tell me a little bit about it. Let me know how it happened, how it went down, and you know, give me all the detail. Yeah, it's wild, man. Uh, exciting times because I was getting baptized Saturday night. Uh, normally would go to Sunday service. They wanted me to do it Saturday night so they could record it because we're a multi-campus site. So they wanted everybody to be able to see it on Sunday. And little could we know when we scheduled this a month ago that the, uh, the Bengals and Joey B would be playing. So, you know, I watched the first three quarters of the game and then I show up to the church and I'm wearing my Joey B jersey. The plan is to take it off. I'm not going to wear a jersey to get baptized. And man, I take the jersey off, Daniel. And you know, I'm a superstitious guy. Well, everybody lets me know Joey B threw a pick. The Titans have scored. Put your jersey back on. So I went, I went and talked to David, who was baptizing me. I said, hey, man, you care if I get baptized in this jersey? I need to wear it. And he said, let's roll, dude. And so there I was, man, got in that tank with the Joey B Bengals jersey on. Man, that's an incredible story. And I, I think you're if the Bengals go on to win the Super Bowl, if you don't bottle that water, <laughs> like you're missing out on a golden opportunity man but um i love you and i'm proud of you awesome weekend thanks for sharing your story but speaking of a story we got a good one to get to man let's not uh let's not mess around let's jump right into it help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week former mississippi state bulldog current base performance trainer and owner of stud muffins trey jolly Trey, my man, how are we doing tonight? And doing good. Just got back from work. Nice, nice. Well, as always, we are blessed to have you on. We've been talking, um, you know, really since the, the the first of the year. I'm sure you you know um, resolutions common. We've been talking about the gym, and and, and obviously, what you do now is, is very conducive to what what goes on in the gym, but. You know, before we get into your story and your backstory, you know, you, you know, Jim was, you know, before we got on air, Jim was talking to you about um, being late to the gym. And, you know, I got to thinking to myself, I didn't say anything. I wanted to hold it for the episode to start. But, you know, I don't do social media a whole lot, but I feel like you earn the right to be late to the gym when you have 32 abs 
And I, I, I'm I'm not here to confirm or deny how many abs you have, but tell me how many. It's got to be at least eight, right? Yeah, I would say uh, right now probably about six and a half. I ain't. Uh, I kind of started eating a little more, but in the summertime you'll see good eight of them. Oh man, he got he's gonna get that that beach body, Jim. So you you can't hate a guy being late to the gym when he's I'm, walking around. I mean, when I saw his feet. Instagram photos, I thought about not inviting him to the podcast, bro. I, I, I know. Mr. Jim in the gym, he's killing it, so I can't say nothing about it. He, he's getting after it. I, it's good to hear that because I feel like, you know, he, he'll tell me certain things, and I'm like, oh, he's killing it. But is that really what's happening? Or is he just taking the pictures and the videos <laughs> that make him look good? So it's nice to hear somebody validate all his claims. But, you know, talking about validating claims, man, you, you've got some claims to fame yourself. you got a, a interesting story. Um, but before we get into all the things you got going on now, I want to get the backstory from you. So uh, the listeners, you know, want to always know, you know, who we're talking to and get an idea so they can kind of relate to the, the person that we're talking to. So where are you from and, and what was it like growing up there? And what was some of the family dynamics? Did you grow up with brothers, sisters? How did it work? So uh, I'm from... Ingemar, Mississippi, which is about 15 minutes from New Albany, Mississippi. Um, I was born in 1996, so getting an old man, 25. Um, I have two brothers and one sister. Um, real small town community. Um, not sure exactly how many are in there, but I know the best thing there is the J&J's gas station and the Dollar General. So not a real big town. Um, that's like the furniture capital down there, isn't it? And that where all the furniture's made. Right there in Ecru, uh, Ashley Furnitures, and uh, man, that place is big. So yeah, that's about that's a claim to fame for little Ecru, I guess you'd say. So you got two brothers, one sister. Where do you fall? Oldest, middle, youngest? Uh, I'm the oldest. I got my other brother. He's 22. The other one's 19, and the sister is 13. So I, I always got to ask, especially when, when we're talking to the older or the youngest sibling who, you know, may have brothers or sisters, like, were you, were you the one, were you the, the, the guy, or were you kind of the, the, the coach, the mentor and kind of showing them the way, or were you like the competitive one that's just dominating? Uh, so uh, funny story about that. My brother would tell you if he got, uh, ever got on, but. We um, always real competitive growing up, um, video games. I mean, it would be, you know, every video game you played, you played to win. Uh, he actually won one game. It's funny because he talks about it all the time. It's a street football game where um, the little – they let the players get real juiced up or whatever in street mode. And uh, we're playing. He beats me, and I'm like, hey, rematch. And he's like, nah. And just looks and does this little smirk so – as brothers, we fought every day. I give him a nice, just gentle kick to the chest there on the futon. <laughs> he goes into the gun cabinet. And at this point, as the big brother, we're probably, I don't know, 12 and 9. He's, like, crying. I'm like, dude, you're all right. Ain't nothing wrong with you. Look at his back. And he hit the corner of the gun cabinet, man, and a huge gash was in his back. And after that, we uh, – dad, dad um, got on me pretty good. We had a good little uh, – discussion with the old leather belt there so that was, that was. 
there's there's so many things at our Mississippi about that story. <laughs> I gotta say, I mean, first and foremost, you're you're pushing your brother and and kicking him in the chest. Secondly, he goes flying into the gun cabinet. I mean, and then and then third, I mean, you 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 mentioned the the ultimate you know equalizer with the dad and the leather belt. I think myself and Jim both can probably you know relate to that very well but um you you talked about it obviously there there's competition there's fuel brothers being brothers um but what sports did you play growing up so growing up um we did ingemar is really notorious for basketball um i actually went there until sixth grade so growing up basketball is kind of like the thing um I played football, baseball, basketball all the way up until ninth grade. And then I decided to give up uh, basketball um, competitively. You know, we played pickup every day at the house. So competition was always something we always did. And, like, you know, that's some of the best memories we have is playing pickup. Dunk ball, that was always really fun. Um, played, yeah, so played, you know, three sports growing up was a big component of being an athlete rather than just like, you know, one specific sport, I guess you would say. So that I will say that did help me. I feel like later on kind of have competitive edge and stuff like that. Daniel, you know what we got to know. I mean, every baseball player comes on here and claims that they could hoop at a pickup game. Trey, can you, can you hoop decently still? And still, I don't know. Back in the day, I, I could shoot it, man. I was all right. And then, um, I, I, man, as you quit dribbling, so I got a little older, man, I, that that left left me, man. I have no left hand dribble now, so. I mean, it's because you don't have to. That's what it is. I mean, you you're walking around with sixteen abs. You can basically <laughs> do and be good at whatever you want, man. It's that's a, that's a rule. That's a known fact. Um, you know, with playing so many sports, um, being a multi sport athlete, especially growing up. Like, who is your favorite athlete? Was it a baseball player, basketball player, football player? And I love Brett Favre. Uh, he was probably my favorite athlete. I have the jerseys. Man, every game he played, I'd watch. Um, you know, uh, another my baseball fan was A-Rod. I loved A-Rod growing up. Just big names, I guess. I don't know, but I love them. Basketball, uh, never really got into – Specific ones I loved. I guess if I loved one, it'd be Dirk Nowitzki, Nowitzki, however you want to say it. He was always fun to watch for me. I have one of his jerseys too. So that was kind of my top three, I guess you would say. Gotcha. So of those three sports, what's your what's your most favorite? Not necessarily to play, but to watch, just to enjoy as a fan. I watch football all day, every day. Uh, this is going to be kind of cliche. I, I don't know if I've ever sat down and watched the full nine innings of baseball. Oh, wow. Um, it's hey, oh, I wow. I I can outside of coaching, which I coach for a very long time, and I watch a ton of games, ton of nine inning games. But to sit down, other than going to the game, it's very hard to sit down at home and to stay concentrated and focused on nine innings. And that's coming from a guy who played it, coached it. And just lived it my entire life. And maybe that's it, like living it, breathing it, coaching it, and seeing it every day for, you know, 30 years. Like you get to a point where you're just like, all right, like enough's enough. Like, so you're saying I watch all nine innings because it was the only sport I didn't play? 
possibly. I I feel like that's that could contribute to it. So Trey, you you mean to tell me you didn't watch any full nine inning games during the College World Series in Omaha, dude? I'll turn it. I'm a big guy. Like I'll turn it on if it's close, and I'm keep. I'll keep up with the game. So I will say that, like ESPN, I do keep up. Uh, if it's gonna get like six inning on, I'll turn it on when it's in crunch time. But like one through five, man. I'm, oh, so I'm he's a, he just waits for Landon Sims to come out there. I see what he does. Hey, I ain't gonna yeah. lie, man. I <laughs> pictures but that guy if he's on and i see you come in i do turn him on to that dude he's legit yeah i mean he's he's electric and, and we've told him that many a time um but you know going back obviously you were an electric player in your own sense but you know take me back to high school where'd you go to high school because to me this is kind of the crucial turning point where you decided hey I'm going to not focus on all three of these. I'm going to start channeling my focus on to one, one sport in particular. So I went to North Conestock High School. Um, I transferred there when I was going to middle school because I went to Ingemar, so sixth grade, like I said earlier. Uh, transferred over there to play football because that was probably my main passion. Like, I love playing football. Um, transferred there. Um we were a 4A school, smaller school. So it's like one of those schools where, you know, you can still play everything and all that. Um, but went there, yeah, and started playing football and pursued that pretty hard, played quarterback. Um, and then baseball, yeah, pitcher and played everywhere from shortstop to left field to first, caught when I was younger, everywhere. So. so, Trey, my question for you, because we have them, do you happen to remember your football stats since they were so good? They, I know I got, like, 2,500 yards passing my junior, senior year. Uh, couldn't tell you exactly. We, we had we had a pretty good team. Um, Marcus Green, I don't know if y'all are familiar with him. He played at ULM, set a lot of records. He was one of my receivers. Yeah, still good buddies. We talk all the time. Played for the Eagles for a little bit. Uh, he's in the Canadian Football League now. Um, but, man, we, we had a good time out there. But um, there, I will say even, you know, everything going on, Friday Night Lights is tough to beat, man. So I would encourage every young guy out there to if, – if they haven't ever doubted, you know, should I play football, I will say Friday Night Lights is pr- pretty unmatched. So, so it sounds like you, you... – you got to Pontotoc and you said, you know, I'm going to drop basketball. I'm going to focus on my fall winter sport and then my spring sport. And then the in-between sport of basketball kind of fell by the wayside. Is, is, is that the case? Yeah, I did that. I was uh, doing everything. And, you know, like a lot of kids now, they uh, can't gain weight. And I was kind of in that boat. I was got taller, hit my growth spurt. You know, it was like six foot, six one about 160 and I was like man I just I got to give up something to be able to gain some weight and you know be able to go to the gym some that's when I first started kind of going to the gym learning some stuff um so I gave up basketball to take that time to kind of you know transition into baseball I was never the guy that practiced baseball during football season so um you know growing up going into all those camps and stuff that you know people do during the fall I would just go play Friday night football and like Whoever I had to go pitch for, I'd be there Saturday morning at eight, bruised up, ready to roll. 
<laughs> Ironically, that is the exact story of Landon Sims. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, in retrospect, do you do you feel any regret not playing basketball and just kind of stopping? Uh, no, I, I knew I knew kind of my limits, I guess you would say, with basketball. Um, football, I do wish I would have took more seriously. As I get older, you know, everybody was telling me baseball, baseball. And, you know, I could have played football at a smaller, like, JUCO level at first starting off. Um, but, you know, I just decided to stick with baseball, what everybody said. But um, – I, it did build a lot of character, I will say. Like you get you get pretty tough playing football. A uh, lot, lot of team, too. You build, like, a lot of – there's a lot more team in football than baseball, in my opinion, just for the simple fact of, I mean, you know, you can have the best best quarterback, whatever, but if your line's terrible and, you know, you don't play as a team, like, you're not going to win. So, I will say I, I did enjoy learning um, how to have a team, kind of control a team, if you'd say. And uh, stuff like that. That that's why I think football is such a proponent of, you know, athletes being an actual team. Yes. So I I got the stats in front of me, man. And you're you're a multi-sport star. Like there's there's no question about it. Like when you roll off these kind of stats in football, five thousand and fifty-six passing yards and fifty-seven touchdowns, and then in baseball. Mississippi 3A player of the year in 2014 as a senior division one 3A most valuable player and most valuable pitcher in 2014 ranked as the second best high school right-handed pitcher prospect in the state of Mississippi like those are accolades and stats that you just don't see everywhere um so what was the college process like you know, in regards to both of those sports, were you looking for a place to play both sports or did you know that I've got to decide to play one or the other? Um, on that, it was kind of like where, I don't know, I, I could always throw really hard in baseball. So that was kind of everybody was like, hey, you might get a chance to get drafted, you know, at a high school. And I was like, hey, that's money. You don't have to go to school for this many years, whatever. Uh, so I my senior year, my junior year, I played football a lot more physically, if that makes sense. Like, man, I wouldn't slide for nothing. I wasn't worried about getting hurt. Senior year, coaches were like, hey, like, you're our guy, only guy, don't get hurt. Uh, you know, throw it, throw it away. So I played football my senior year. That, that out of regret, I would say, I wish I would have played it more um, fast forward, I guess you would say, like full speed. Uh, I feel like a lot of times, you know, kind of like get down early on one or something. And that really wasn't my game style I would play, I guess you would say. Um, as far you as like a Josh Allen type? You watch Buffalo? Yeah, dude. Josh Allen, man, he was fun to watch. That was a heck of a game last night. Is that what you would normally do if you could do what you want to do? You just run them over? Yeah, dude. Like in junior year, man, I'm telling you, it was going to be – I was going to give it all I had every single time. Senior year, I did it some, but it was kind of more like when I had to, you know what I mean? So, uh, Tim Tebow was still big during that time, so – he was a big encouragement to really put the head down and get after it. So that was fun. Who? Who, who was big? Tim. <laughs> never, never heard of him. Yeah, new guy. Yeah, new, new guy. Uh, so obviously, you know, you, you realize pretty quickly, you know, towards it sounds like the end of your junior year, moving into your senior year, that you had something. So 
when did colleges start approaching you about, you know, having what it takes to play with them? And when did college offers start rolling in? Um, so junior year um, was kind of the year that really started happening. I, growing up, we didn't have like a ton of money and stuff. We always still went to the camps and stuff that we could. Um, my grandparents, shout out to them. They helped out a lot on that, uh, helping us get there and go and, you know, paying the way. I know I played with East Coast Sox for a while. Uh, stayed with Coach Caruso, Buford, Dubose, Greg Sykes. They were always really nice to me, let me play with them and stuff. Um, so that's kind of when it started happening, um, junior year. And then it was just like Ole Miss had me on a visit with like – there's that redheaded guy they had pitched for him for a while. Fiegel, Brady Fiegel, uh, they had a big first baseman. I was on a visit with all of them anyways, and they all end up signing. So I didn't really understand, like, baseball money. So 50% baseball money was like, oh, that's trash. They don't want me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we didn't get it. And I told my dad, I was on the phone with um, Lafferty, and the way he said it was kind of like, hey, here it is you know, you got to tomorrow to decide. And it was like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, 50%? Nah, it's, I'm still out money. I didn't realize. Long story short, we were young, didn't realize how it all worked. So I was like, I don't know about that. So kind of just let him give it to somebody else, I guess, and was open back up for, you know, recruiting or whatever. So then long story short, uh, fast forwarding to my, how everything came about and me going to Heinz, I signed with Arkansas Little Rock on basically a full ride. Uh, that was my D1 sign. And I was going to dual sign, so I signed with Northwest Florida. Um, and this was all, you know, senior year, so that's where I was dual signed. Um, there, they were kind of wanting me to do both. Obviously, pitch was kind of my main deal. Um, and I had full ride, free money, so I was like, hey, cool. Like, you know, I didn't want to financially be in a burden. So, right after my – right during my senior year, uh, all their coaches, you know how baseball is and, you know, just college sports in general, all leave. And it was like, um, okay, well, the recruiting coordinator at Arkansas Little Rock was pretty much like, hey, man, um, we're gone, and I wouldn't advise you to come. And I was like, uh, okay. So that was a big, like, all right, red flag. Well, then Northwest Florida, same thing happened. And they were like, hey, you're more than welcome to come. Their head coach called at the time and was like, man, I don't know you from Adam. It's a long way to travel. Uh, you know, I can't promise you anything. I've never seen you play, man. I was like, well, I respect that. So at that point, I decommitted. Um, and we're talking about during – in May, like, 14 – no, August. I went to my first visit to Heinz and uh, talked with Temple and decided to sign. So that was uh, pretty neat. He was actually in the Deer Woods, I think, um, whenever he called me, and he was like, hey, man, we really don't recruit much from North Mississippi area because we've got so much talent in Jackson. I haven't ever seen you play or throw. Can you come throw so we can watch you? And I was like, well, right now it's kind of my downtime from throwing or whatever, so I don't know how good I would be, but I can. He's like, I ah, don't worry about it. So – that's how it turned up at Heinz. I think I went on the visit the 13th and was in school the 16th. So that was neat. I talked to Butch Thompson and them. They offered me like the preferred walk on. Uh, Ole Miss, kind of the same thing because, you know, they were all out of money at this point. Uh, Memphis, kind of the same deal. So that was kind of my main three I wanted to go to, too. 
So they just said, hey, go to Heinz, you know, we'll grab you after that. And that's, you know, where I was. So I was like, okay, so I'm just going to go to Heinz. So. Daniel, I have to commend Trey. Uh, we've had, what, probably 60 baseball players on here, and we've had so many that have went the JUCO route, and they beat around the bush about the scholarship and the scholarship money. And we know about 11.7, you know, scholarships and how baseball is basically, you know, it's it's not fair. You don't get the, the scholarship money that you should. And you see a lot of guys, they'll talk about they get offers, like you say, Ole Miss, and, and they'll mention big schools, but then somehow they end up at a junior college, and you think, how does that happen? And you're the first one to admit, hey, man, it's, it's expensive and it ain't it ain't easy to pay for. And so um, that's how you end up that route. So I appreciate you actually explaining that out, because a lot of people, like I said, me and Daniel know that. But a lot of people, a lot of listeners may not understand that with baseball, there's only so much money to go around. Yep. Yeah, man. So before we take a quick break, I got one more quick question and it's kind of wraps it all up. But you said that you ended up going to Heinz and, you know, I still feel like there were probably other options out there. Why was it Heinz? Why is that school the one where you were like, Hey, that's where I need to be. Yeah. Um, the main reason was, I think they had like my freshman class when I was there had 15 D one signees, like, that was the year LaTeX was so good, I think, and, like, eight of our players started for them. So, like, really being a hub, I think, for being able to go – nobody wants to go just to JUCO, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, you have bigger sites than that. And then if you realize, hey, I can go to this place, develop, grow, get my school paid full for, and then go play at the next level, like, that's why I went – that's why I chose Heinz. And I've talked to some – actually, JUCO coaches this morning that you said that. They've talked to me after, you know, my brother was kind of getting recruited a little bit and he chose a local junior college and they were like, hey, man, uh, why don't you come to us? And I was like, I mean this in the nicest way possible, but like nobody wants to just go to JUCO and then, you know, die. Like everybody has big dreams. So you don't want to go to a place that you didn't seem like, you know, there was a good chance of you being able to get out and stuff like that. Because I know, you know, you can obviously get seen anywhere you're at, so that's not the case. But just setting yourself up in the best position to get seen, I guess you'd say. So that's why I chose Hounds. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jim Jim says it all the time, man. Like, Mississippi Juco, there, there may not be a better launching pad to, like, greatness or a high-powered university at the Division One level than playing Juco in, in Mississippi. Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I tell a lot of people that play JUCO. It's funny, um, we had a kid at work, and he transferred to junior college from a four-year, and he was like, man, first outing out, I gave up two jacks. <laughs> and it was like a shock to him. And that's where a lot of people get confused. We're like, junior college may have, a you know, a one- or two-tool player, but what they can do in one or two aspects is just, you know, it's it's pretty incredible. So that's one thing I will say. Mississippi Juco was notorious for hitting. Like, we played Jones, and they were going to put up 15 every game. Um, you know, Northwest. Um, everywhere was really competitive. You didn't just – you had a couple that you would kind of blow out, um, which they've came up a lot in the recent years, too. So, I will say it's really competitive, and it wasn't like, you know, a big jump, I guess you would say. Not as big as you would think. All right, Trey. Well, we're going to take a quick break, man. When we come back, Jim's going to get into Mississippi State baseball and stud muffins with you. 
tattoos have become more of a normal part of society and you know one of the things that's a common mistake that people do is they just go anywhere you know closest place maybe whatever's convenient and a lot of times they get a piece of art that stays on them forever that maybe they don't like so much so let me help you and eliminate that problem go see jeff lee watts Easy Flea Tattoos. You can find them on Facebook or Instagram, and you can find him at 1731 Dancy Boulevard in Horn Lake. Number is 662-280-0763. All right, boys. So you know I've struggled with pain. You know I've struggled with weight loss. You know I've struggled with anxiety, and you know I've struggled with sleep. What if I told you there was a place that could help you with all of these things? True Life Dispensary. Pain relief without narcotics, sleep, weight loss, anxiety relief. You can find this at 117 West Commerce Street in Hernando. Hours, Monday through Friday, 9 to 7, Saturday, 10 to 5. So check them out and get your life turned around. All right, so in your time at Heinz, Trey, you were named the uh, 2016 top junior college player uh, watch list by Collegiate Baseball. You were ranked 49th best junior college prospect by Perfect Game. Fastball recorded at 94 miles per hour. Um, you know, pitched 32 innings with 25 Ks while going two and two with a 3.62 ERA. Um, you know, how did you feel about your time at Heinz as a pitcher? You know, you talked about going against all those uh, teams that could, could really put up runs, but, you know, you maintained to keep a, a solid ERA and, um, you know, do pretty well. So how do you feel about, you know, how you did at Heinz? Um, my time at Heinz would be, I would say, my first year was, like I said, we came in and had 15 D1 Chinese. So there really wasn't a lot of opportunity because you will find out in junior college, that sophomores, sophomore, you know, privilege or whatever you want to call it. If you're a sophomore, like that's your last chance, coach, you're going to play. So um, I pitched more like in a setup role. We had our closer that was going to Ole Miss that year. So he was that. And uh, we already had like four D1 signee started pitchers. So I was more of the setup guy that year. Maybe he closed a game or two. Um, never got a really opportunity to start. That's what kind of before I went there, he said, hey, everything's taken. And I was like, well, man, I'm going to you know, earn a spot to play. So we had three freshmen that got to play that entire year. And out of my class, we had like 12 D1 signees. So if that kind of tells you how good of a team we had. Um, first year was more like a we had a new we had a pitching coach that had been there. Um, what wasn't a developmental coach. So my form and stuff was pretty raw. Uh, just threw fastballs every single pitch up in the zone, let it eat, and that was it. I'd pitch an inning, throw as hard as I could. That was it. Um, sophomore year, we got a new pitching coach, uh, Wes Thickpen. He was actually from State. Um, and, man, he was phenomenal. Changed everything I did. I used to throw what my dad used to call look like a stork. Uh, mm -hmm everywhere and he would literally make fun of how my hat would come off every pitch just max effort guy and then uh thick pen told me something really simple and it's funny about the abs so he'd say hey man just crunch because at that point i got into working out and looking good he's like hey dude you know how to do crunches obviously just like keep your body crunched so he taught me how to keep my torso in line to be able to like create good rotation and stuff like that and uh he created he made me like actually a good pitcher which i only pitched However many innings that year, wasn't much because I actually hurt my arm, and that's kind of where everything started going on. I tore my UCL partially. Um, 
So I hit the rest of that year in a huge arm brace, <laughs> and I DH every game. So that was basically it. So, you know, you talk about coaches, and we're obviously going to get to base later, but, you know, you talk about coaches who know what they're talking about versus the ones who don't, and we're talking about injuries. Is that why, um, you know, you enjoy being a part of what base is doing so much because they're teaching guys the right way and trying to prevent injuries? Yeah, um, the main thing I like about what we do, too, is more like a developmental thing. Uh, there's a lot of coaches that are great uh, managers of the game, I guess you would say, but not really good uh, developmental coaches, which is where if, if you're a young guy looking and you know you're raw and haven't really had everybody sculpting you, like you're not a mechanical type pitcher, like you need, you know you need work, you have a really good arm, I would definitely choose a program that um, will be able to – like we had Wes Johnson when I was going to state, and I know like everybody said, hey, dude, like he's developmental, developmental, developmental. And um, that's one of the things that I was really looking forward to because I saw how much thick pin helped me versus the other coach that was more old school and more like, hey, what can you do for me? Uh, if not, tough. They basically just use you for what you already know rather than helping you become something else. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you talk about the injury and you talk about, you know, your, what you went through at Heinz. How is it that Mississippi State comes about? So, yeah, um, we have in Mississippi Juco, the fall is kind of a really big time, especially as a sophomore, to get picked up. Um, that's when kind of everybody started offering and, you know, you go on visits and this and that. Um, and basically how Temple did it, what I really liked is he would say, hey, man, like, where, where's your dream schools? Where do you want to go? Or where's your dream schools? Like, where would you go? And then where would you have to go? And, like, what's, like, the bottom list? So, he did a really good job of like making sure he would hit your dream schools where you wanted to go. And then he obviously knew like kind of where, you know, you would go. Um, Mississippi state came about, I think we're pitching at Smith wheels and Jackson. That's kind of the main place where they would come watch you. And that's kind of, you had like a big tournament. Um, I was pitching up there and I think Minjion was there and I had a pretty decent outing. I guess you would say nothing, just phenomenal. Just a good outing. And um, I don't know. It was, Minji owner Thompson and they called and were like, Hey man, you know, we'd like to have you on a visit. So they got me in. And when I went there, it was just, it felt like home. That's one of the things you would say, like they, they put it maroon and white as they would say. And man, you felt like, Hey, this place is sick. Uh, you know, you look at the facility, uh, the people were all like people where I'm from small town. It wasn't like it was something over my head, if that makes sense. Um, and then after that, man, it was just like, yeah, that's where I want to go. And obviously, you know, I was always the kind of guy, like, if I can't play at this level, I'll never make it to my ultimate goal if that was, you know, to get drafted or what that may be. So that was another good kind of a pusher, I guess you would say. Yeah. And so when you got to Starkville, you know, you grew up in a small town, you played at Hines, you know, was it a, you know, was it a culture shock or, I mean, were you there and you were, you were ready from the, the jump? How did that go? Uh, man, it was a culture shock. I, I was kind of, I'm, I'm real homebody. Um, so, you know, just getting out on your own finally, because at Heinz, you know, you stayed in, in dorms. Um, you're out there with your boys, but at state, you know, it's up to you to go to class. You got way more freedom. Um, 
I had an aunt that lived in Starkville that I could go see when, you know, I needed a home cooked meal or whatever that may be. And everybody up there was like your aunt. So that was always really cool. Um, not as big of a culture shock as you would think. I guess the classroom size and stuff like that was really different because, you know, from Hines, you might have a 30 person class and at Starkville, you know, you had a 250, 300 people class. That's way different. So a little bit, but not just too, too bad. And so when you got there, um, Billingsley and Keegan James were already there, correct? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. All right. So junior year, I got right here 24 relief appearances, and you saw 29 innings uh, while earning three wins and a save. Um, let's talk about first, you know, you got your uh, career high in innings pitch and strikeouts and a shutout relief for your first career save against Columbia. You know, what was that like going in there, getting that first save, um, throwing that shutout, throwing the five strikeouts? You know, what were the emotions through that? Um, well, that's kind of – so I hurt my arm at Heinz, like I was saying earlier. I had a really good fall at State and was setting up really good, and then I hurt my elbow again. So I kept partially tearing my UCL, and I kept getting the PR shot. So I was on shot number three at this point. And so I took all Christmas break off, like did not throw. This is when we got Canizero, the new head coach, uh, Henson, the new pitching coach. Um, so they haven't even seen me throw. Cohen, which was now the AD, is the only one that's seen me throw because I got hurt before they even came. Um, so I took, like I said, all Christmas break, like throwing in the yard with my pop, like 80 feet, like literally tossing, just rehabbing. Um, come back, and it was supposed to be like more rehab stuff and easy toss. Well, like second day back, Hendo has this 300-yard long toss, and I'm like – or 300 feet, and I was like, man. So, dude, I was hanging. Um, first outing, though, it was intense. Uh, there is a definite thing about major-type teams playing like a mid-major that, you know, didn't bring that environment. It wasn't 15,000 there. It was still really intense because it was, you know, the first outing. But I was still getting my arm back up under me and stuff, so I really wasn't like – you know, it was fun, but it wasn't like just too too hype. It wasn't like A and M or something like that. Well, I mean, it prepared you for your you know first win after throwing a career high five point one innings in relief versus Kentucky. Um, getting you know your first win, and that was against the SEC opponent. So, um, obviously there had to be some good emotions there because that wasn't a mid major, and maybe Kentucky isn't the most elite program, but nonetheless, it's an SEC opponent. Oh, dude, that year I think they had everybody in their lineup hitting over three hundred. They had like. Pompey with their lead off. He had like eight or nine jacks, maybe like all of them dudes. And that was really – that was an intense game. And like you said, like you really get into it. Uh, you know, as you start rolling, the ball gets going. You're like, hey, man, like let's go. And then it was tight game, which obviously makes it different too, um, you know, just the positioning in the game. So, yeah, that was a really, really fun time and probably one of my most memorable times there in Starkville. So, I'm trying to timeline everything, you know, was – was that when Billingsley was the Sunday guy and Keegan would have been the the Friday or Saturday guy? Uh, Keegan was hurt that entire year. JB was the Sunday guy to midweek guy, but mostly the Sunday guy. But, man, they had that man on a short leash. So pretty much it's funny we work together now. He would start on Sundays, and if he walked one, it was like, hey, Jolly, go get in the pen. Like, you're ready to go. <laughs> It was funny how, um, you know, the short of a leash they had on him, uh, felt bad for him. 
Um, is it true that he stretched for like two hours before he pitched? That's what he. That's what he told us. They said it was kind of insane his whole stretch routine. Days he would be out there like with his headphones in, head down, pouring sweat like an hour before. <laughs> We're like, dude, what are you doing? And um, anyway, he wouldn't even talk to you. Like, hey, you ready to go, man? You know how baseball players are. Just getting hype. Nothing, just stone. So he was. Uh, it was funny how prepared he would get for the game. Dude would be out there just leaking sweat. Throw a hundred warm up pitches, and then he'd be out there in the game, walk two batters. Man, he's yanked, and he was just like, "What the heck?" So yeah, um, Daniel told him the irony of him putting in all that work before the game is, you know, he's wearing the Sunday black. So like, man, you pick the the black uniform to to be the pitcher and put in all that work. That's why he sweats so hard. Oh yeah, man. Hey, he had a lot of great outings though. So I will say he he definitely he definitely didn't go underprepared on getting ready. He uh he was really really mature and ahead of everybody else on that. I will say. I wish I'd have took some advice from him growing up. That's probably why I kept having arm trouble. I was the guy that'd be like, "Hey, man, let's roll." I'd hit a J band or two, go toss. I'm ready to ride. And he was like, "Man, you crazy?" And I was like, "Nah, nah." So. You know, Daniel, I didn't get to see you pitch in college. Obviously, uh, I was off in the military. You know, were you the guy who would fight through an injury or were you smart to know when you needed to stop? I mean, I, I think I was smart enough to know whether I was injured or whether I was just hurt. Um, you know, there's a, there's a distinct difference. Um, obviously, as a pitcher, there's a lot of wear and tear. And I would say it's very rare for a pitcher to go out and feel like they have everything their arm feels good and like it's just the stars have aligned and and today's your day um so there's things that you gotta kind of loosen up you gotta get through but i mean for the most part you know the difference yeah i think that's that was my problem i couldn't really know the difference because Football was kind of one of those things, like, you know, like, yeah, you get beat up, you're like, oh, I'm fine. And then I was always the guy that never wanted to chance sitting out, I guess you would say, um, or seeming like I was a wuss or whatever you want to say. And that's how actually my arm was torn, like, going back to Heinz. And I, I kept throwing for a while, and I was like, dude, my arm, like, literally hurts to touch. My buddy tried to pop my back with my arms above my head, you know, Juco chiropractor there. And did that, and, like, my elbow, like, it brought me to tears. And I'm like, dude, something is wrong. And I finally got it checked out. Kind of the same way it stayed. I kept having, like, when I hurt my elbow that next time, I didn't want to say anything. We were doing um, PFP drills. And I came straight from class. And Cohen always had it where it was on, like, a time. You didn't beat the time. You'd have punishment or whatever. So I come from class, grab one at third baseline. I pitched the day before. And uh, I think that was the day before I had my really good outing. It was up like 96 or something, and they were all tweeting about it like it was a big deal, whatever. Come out, toss enough to get loose, and PFPs were really serious. So I grabbed one at third and, like, underhand, like, flick it over there. And I was like, ooh, my elbow. And after that is when I, you know, did that. So I was really bad, like you said, of knowing the difference of being sore and hurt until later on, like now, I kind of know. But um, – yeah, I will say that is a major thing to know when you're playing. Well, and once again, you know, just to hit back on what we were talking about with what you are doing over there at base, you know, I mean, that's that's one of the things that, that Jacob talks about that y'all do and in, in teaching these guys. And I think, I mean, with the technology that's out there today, with the knowledge that y'all are putting in, 
these young players, they're able to better understand their body and, and know what they can and can't and what they should and shouldn't do. And um, that's why I really commend what y'all are doing. But, you know, back to the Mississippi State, you know, you had a shutout uh, relief appearance for your second win against South Carolina. So another SEC win. But the third win is what I want to talk to you about. Um, you had a perfect 2.1 innings of relief against Troy on – uh, May 16th. So, you know, I was wanting to know what that was like, because that was, am, am I reading that right? Was that in the regional? No, I don't think Troy was in the regional. Southern Miss, I don't know. I don't even remember. No, no, there, there it is. That's what it is. No, you had that against, and you had 3.1 innings of relief against Southern Miss in the regional. There it is. I got, I, I got my stats mixed. I was cruising that game uh, doing good. And my buddy, LaMarcus Boyd, I think he was playing a little bit. He was from Northwest Junior College. And I knew what he could and couldn't hit off of me. I think I already threw him a slider. And he looked bad and, like, bunt hit to third. And so I knew, like, hey, that's that's where I need to throw him. You know, off speed. I know he could hit fastball. Key to anybody playing uh, Mississippi Juco, don't, don't throw a first pitch fastball or any fastball. <laughs> and I throw him an up heater. And he cranks that thing dead center like four fifteen, and I knew like I just didn't feel confident throwing it. And anyways, yeah, but that was a good game. Um, Southern Miss that year, man, they could really hit it too. So the the one thing I hated reading when I was researching was the fact that you know that was on the road and you weren't able to be at the dude. Um, you know during a. a during the yeah. uh, playoffs and whatnot and be able to see it rocking with a, with a full crowd. Um, Cause you know, now that I've been a part of that experience, I, I don't know that any place matches that, that what duty Noble's doing. No, it, it, it's awesome up there, man. Um, the only LSU was awesome in super regional as far as atmosphere, South Carolina, uh, they should have a really nice park. Yeah, Cade, Cade Smith actually told me that this year. He said South Carolina might be one of the most underrated places. Dude, it's nice. Um, Cade Smith actually comes third base and trains with us. He's a great guy. Um, but, yeah, there was awesome. Um, where else? Those are the main ones that I really enjoyed. A&M was just fun because the atmosphere. I like how the stadium goes kind of up and over you. Uh, that's a lot of difference, too. A lot of stadiums are huge. Uh, like the new dude's kind of like that. The old one's kind of back, so everybody was off of you a little bit. And, you know, there could be 15,000 there, but it was like, ah, you know, you could see a few empty seats where, like, A&M was over the top of you, and they might have six, but, man, it was loud. It was all over you, and it was a great environment to play in. So I will say I love playing in that hostile environment, I guess you would say. kind of got you into the game more. Yeah, no doubt. So – Let's transition. Let's talk about how you get from Mississippi State baseball to, you know, base and stud muffins. How does all this come about? So going in, uh, back to injury again, what do you know? Um, I went to summer ball after my junior year at State and was like, hey, I'm going to try to play it out. Well, I go in for two weeks and I'm like, hey, I ain't throwing it for two weeks. I go and throw a bullpen in Virginia and they're like, hey, man, um, you good? And I'm like, dude, my arm still hurts from season. Because at this point, you know, I've been doing a ton of rehab, taking little Z-packs to get better or whatever, and just to make it through, essentially. Um, so I go off to summer ball, get my trainer to look. He's like, yeah, you need to go get checked out. Like, you shouldn't be here. 
it sounds like you have labrum stuff, all this. So I was like, ah, oh, whatever. So I do a ton of rehab all summer. Go back to um, Startville, start playing that fall. And, man, my arm was just killing me. I knew it was messed up. Something was wrong. Ended up going to get labrum surgery. Um, and then I transferred out after that to Southeastern. Uh, my buddy Carlisle Kessler was there, a JUCO buddy. And I was like, hey, man, I need a place to play. Um, went there with labrum surgery. And, dude, never could get back. And my arm wasn't the same. Uh, and then I was doing, like, weighted balls to try to get my velo back up. I think I got up to 87 there, and it just wasn't fun anymore. So I started throwing weight balls on my own, really not knowing what I was doing, uh, throwing them into the brick wall out by the training room. And one day I think I tore my elbow again, and after that I was just like, hey, man, I, I'm done. So that was fun. So it, re it, re it reminds me of, you know, Austin Riley came on here, and, you know, he was a pitcher in high school. Um and he said, I absolutely hated pitching. And we said, why do you hate pitching? He said, I just hated my arm hurting all the time. And so I hear you constantly talk about your arm hurting. And it's like, it just, it makes sense. But I never pitched, so I don't know. But the idea of your arm hurting all the time just doesn't sound fun. Yeah, that, that isn't fun. But I will say, like, going to, you know, to base now, uh, helping people learn is more satisfying than watching the game for me. I guess that's why I don't watch nine innings of baseball, as you would say. But, like, helping a guy with raw ability be able to, like, figure out how to keep him safe and, like, do stuff that I did wrong and nobody really would tell me as much. Uh, just to tell them that, whether they listen or not, uh, is really good. Because, you know, if your dad tells you, it ain't, it ain't nearly as good if Coach Stray tells you. So being able to implement that and hopefully, you know, save some of their careers or save them injury, whatever it may be, is really, really fun and, I guess, satisfying, if that makes sense. Uh, I mean, what y'all what y'all are doing over there? Because I know high school, college, and even minor leaguers that are training there um, all have told me whether it's them themselves or their family members, they have I've not heard one negative thing. Um, every one of them has said they've gotten better there. So I mean, what's going on over there is just amazing. Yeah, man, we appreciate it. We just like I said, don't really skip any steps. Uh, you know, from warm up, foam rolling to warm up to pre-work to plows to the actual workout itself the cool down i mean dude everything so you know you can't can't skip something and not expect nothing bad to happen i guess you would say so we definitely take all the preventatives and you know taking the safer out availability is the best ability is what i've always heard and i will say for my for my career that's true so just keeping yourself healthy and in the game man it's key so talk to us about stud buffins, man. How did how did you start the business? As you told us before the show, man, you do every phase of that business. Tell us about it. Man, I was uh, selling that insurance, as I like to call it. And we were sitting <laughs> selling that insurance, and I was like, man, there's a lot of free time. And I, I work for a great company, Farm Bureau. Uh, Jeffrey Ray, old Mississippi State guy, was there. Andy Rice, old state guy. Uh, loved everybody there. But I'm just – I had too much free time, and – I'd always bring in these pre-cooked meals. They're like, man, what are you doing? And I was like, man, I'm meal prep for myself. You know, they're like, oh, okay. Well, then people at the gym started asking me about it. And we started rolling. So basically on, you know, through Sundays, that's what we'd be doing. So I started – I had my new girlfriend at the time, Molly Beth. She's the co-owner, I guess you would say. And she's Miss Stud, as she likes to call herself. <laughs> we sitting there, and she didn't really know how to cook or nothing. Um, and – 
I was like, hey, if we got all these people, we're going to need help. So we started off with like five or seven people. Man, we'd be out there cooking for like 12 hours. I was just trying to teach her how to do it. We didn't really know how to prepare and how food cooked down and all this. And it was like, man, it was it was tough. And then we just kept going, kept going, kept going, and got up to where we were like, you know, two orders a week. Uh, had it up to 20-something, 30 people ordering a week. And, like, it adds up pretty quick in meal prep. I'm like, hey, we're killing it. So she actually gave up her job that she was doing at the time and started, like, really keeping up with the grocery bills, keep, you know, going to buy the food, all that. Um and then, like I said, I was selling the insurance. JB saw my business on social media, I guess. and said, hey, dude, come up here. And I was like, uh, all right, you got a job? And he's like, yeah, come train. So then I said, all right, cool. I, insurance wasn't my thing, man. I don't think it was my time for it yet. So <laughs> training athletes sounded a lot better. So, you know, I'd seen uh, the ribbon cut in picture. Uh, you know, it feels like it was that only like a few weeks ago or is that like a couple months ago now? Um, like. December yeah not long yeah and so um you know obviously because I know of the athletes and, and Billy's Lee and base and all that I, I had heard of it but you know are more and more people starting to come on to it and hear more about it yeah man really the biggest thing um we're learning we have a good product uh we have a lot of people tell us that but getting other people getting the people that order from us to tell other people is the key so we're really trying to figure out how to get in the marketing realm of, you know, people around here, like I said, we're not from around here. So just meeting people, you know, shaking hands, uh, let them know that, you know, we're good people, honest people, stuff like that. And just trying to get more people to kind of get up with it. You know, we have family for four options, individual meals, macros. Uh, I think the biggest thing I've seen was, you know, you did a post the other day and some people think that all or certain types of food are always unhealthy and that's not necessarily the case like explain that because i see some pictures of some fire looking food that some people might think is is unhealthy when they see it but don't really understand it yeah so on that i was one of those people uh probably two years ago i was always the bro guy man i ate more chicken rice and broccoli than anybody you've ever seen and um then molly beth come around my fiance now and she was always like I ain't eating that. I ain't eating that. So we started getting on Pinterest a lot and looking up new like macro friendly recipes that she would like of just modern food that everybody likes. Obviously in my strict diet, I still like other foods, but I just thought they were like you said, off limits. So we started tinkering with recipes, man. We got our own little recipe, uh, doc made. And then we just, you know, started figuring out macros. I started studying more into the macro thing and, I'm a huge component of macros, so that's why we started the macro meals and stuff like that. Dieting shouldn't suck, you know, you shouldn't have a, you still have your big boy card, as I like to call it, when you are eating, you don't want to be just limited to like three things, so that's why we have so many different options and macros and stuff like that. So, how how does it work? I got to put in an order on what, like a, a Sunday or for the following week or like? We are. We open up the new menu every Wednesday uh, for the pickup on Monday the following week. Um, orders are due by Saturday at 12, so that way we have time to really, you know, kind of get planned for what all we got to cook and all that because, you know, uh, Monday pickup is when we do it. So, you know, Sunday all day we cook. So, Do, do you find yourself cooking, like your clientele, is it more um, 
like the average Joe just trying to clean up their diet and eat healthier, or is it more athletes or high school guys or college guys trying to, you know, eat for performance? Um, a lot of it, I think, is convenience and knowing it's healthy and macro friendly. Like a lot of boutique type people get on, um, you know, people that don't have a lot of time for their job, man, you pop in this meal, this two minutes and it's, you know, whatever, 400 calories and helps you reach your goals. Yeah, we do have a bunch of athletes that order, too, I will say, like tons of shout outs we've given for you know weight gain weight loss uh we have a monster studs menu for people trying to gain weight that's you know like up to a thousand calories a bowl um tons of protein carbs just enough fats uh yeah so really a, a people i will say um yeah total variety i want to jump on those uh peanut butter protein balls i've seen uh like i'm all about yeah. some peanut butter and i'm all about some protein Hey, and things are dangerous, man. You get on one, you're going to eat all five. <laughs> we tell people, we're like, hey, these things are 120 calories a pop, a little energy ball now, but if you go ahead and eat the whole five, like, don't be coming to me when you ain't losing that weight. So, <laughs> so what's, what's your favorite thing that you guys prepare? Uh, Snack-wise, I do love the lemon cheesecake cups. Them things are, man, they're fire. Um, Meal-wise – I don't know. I eat it all, honestly. I'm, I'm, I'm you not, say cheesecake, that just doesn't sound healthy to me, Trey. It's easy, man. Hey, I, I'll give you the recipe at the gym. I can't give it for everybody. But I'll, I'll just, <laughs> it's, you, you just got to fit in your macros, man. Like, <laughs> hey, he ain't got to give me the recipe. I'll go, I'll go up there and buy it. But I, I saw that on, when I was looking. It's actually on the same list as the peanut butter balls. And I seen cheesecake, and I said, man, you say the word cheesecake, nothing healthy comes about that. Yeah, that's what we have. A we actually just started a new thing. Uh, it's called. It's just a challenge we did with Old Town Fitness and Olive Branch. Um, they're a CrossFit gym there, man. And I've helped everybody with their macros and stuff. How many we got in the Sixteen people actually, and all of them are down a couple pounds first week. Uh, eating foods, you know, in moderation. And that's all I did: set their macros, give them the My Fitness Pal and My Plate app, and show them how to count it. Tell them to get a little $15 food scale. They order from us. They eat their own breakfast sometimes or whatever they choose not to get from us. And, dude, they're killing it. So the macro thing is definitely the way to go for um, an adult, anybody, honestly, trying to reach their goals. And that's why I told them, like, if you're in a bodybuilding show, you know, and you're two weeks out, yeah, you probably need to cut out a few certain foods that you know don't set well with your body. But as far as – everyday lifestyle and getting beach lean as i would call it yeah man you can do the macros all day man easy so how, how many how many food scales have you gone through since you've done this like five or six man <laughs> uh we dropped some uh we had we have these little glass ones they're like 15 bucks but they they uh you know digital so they're easy to read and you know you drop one of those put some heavy on there and smokes it so yep you know, speaking of Daniel, you know, we're talking about, he was talking about fitness shows, you know, uh, fitness with Leonard came in after Trey late too. As a matter of fact, all these dudes were slacking on a Monday. I'm calling them all out, but they were all in the gym. So, you know, I can't give them too, too much grief. I mean, Trey and, and, and fitness with Leonard walking around, like I said, with 16 abs, they can be late. <laughs> so my last question I got for you, Trey, I'm going to let Daniel play a game with you. You know, uh, Billingsley came on here and he talked about 
as much as he loves being a, an athlete and playing baseball, he feels like he's getting more fulfillment out of what he's doing now. With what you're doing with stud muffins and what you're doing at base, would you agree and say the same thing, or did you like being an athlete better? Man, I, I like where I'm at right now in life, I will say. Uh, there's a lot of joy that comes out of baseball's a lot of ups and downs, frustrations, a lot of, you know, never being satisfied where you're at, I guess you would say, like, like I said, I was at Hines waiting to get to state. I was at state, couldn't wait to get drafted. And I didn't really know. So I will say, like, appreciating where you're at in the moment is a lot of deal that I will tell a lot of people that are there or that want to get there. That just, if you're in high school, man, like, make that high school the greatest high school experience you can. If you're at JUCO, same way, all the way up. If you're in the major leagues, obviously, you've probably achieved your baseball per hour there. But, um just being in the moment man so yeah like right now in life dude i'm super happy um you know everything's not great but it's it's fun to see the new adventure i guess you would say business wise and just seeing how you fit in you know so it's, it's neat you know it, it it sounds like it's been great it's um something that you you obviously are very passionate about and i'm sure it was a, a challenge to get it going but it seems like you guys got it rocking and rolling man but we, we spent a lot of time together tonight. We got a great story from you. And before we wrap this thing up, Trey, man, we're going to play a quick game called This or That. You down to play? Nope. All right, man. So it's very simple. I'll give you two options. All you got to do is pick one option or the other. The only rules are you can't say both and you can't say neither. You got to be right. very decisive. Pick one. All right, so throwing it out there, would you rather never wait in line again or never have any red lights in your commute ever again? Never wait in line, no doubt, man. We spend way too much time at studs and Walmart line. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so this, this next one might be, might be a little difficult for you to answer, all right? If you had to choose one, would you rather eat healthy for the rest of your life and no working out or would you rather work out but eat like crap so you have to pick one one way or the other so eat healthy but you can't work out work out but you have to eat like crap Ooh. uh eat healthy and not work out because if you mm. if you are you are what you eat you are what you eat Look, give me, give me the other I'll, one, Daniel. I'll, I'll, I'll be donuts. I'll be ice cream. I'll be fried chicken. I'll be all of that, and still work out, man. If you told me I couldn't work out, I don't know. I think I would. I'd be crazy. I'd be. I don't even want to know what I'd be. I doing. might commit. I might commit crimes if I can't work out. That is my mental getaway. Like, I got to be out there. If I don't go one day, uh, Molly Beth will be like, "Oh, you ticking? You ain't been yet." I'm like. <laughs> Uh, Jim says, you know, you, you have a, a fly hairstyle and I quote him on that. I didn't say that. He said that not only did he say you had 18 ads, but now he's saying you rock a fly hairstyle. So with that being said, would you rather have a good smile or good hair? Uh, good hair, good hair. Yeah. So you, you can always get that hair done, man. That fresh fade Fridays, baby. Hey, every, every Friday, Fresh Fade Friday, when? Two weeks now, man. I'm getting old. It, it's startable, yes, Fresh Fade Friday. You had to get ready for game weekend. Wow. wow. All right. Would you rather have your hair 
or would you rather have abs? <laughs> Good hair or abs? Abs. I'm gonna lose the hair anyway. That's right, baby. That that's a that's a layup question if I've ever seen one. Give me the abs. Uh, would you rather have played for the Yankees or date Jennifer Aniston back in the day? Dude, Jennifer Aniston is my crush. It's funny you say that. She was my woman crush Wednesday for forever, and that was a thing. So Jennifer Aniston for sure. Oh, over Man. the Yankees. Wow. <laughs> Molly Beth's going to reach over there and knock you out. I know. I hope she listen to that one. <laughs> All right. Trey, last question, man, and we'll let you get out of here. Would you rather spend five years in jail or ten years in a coma? Five years in jail. Come on, man. All right. Please, please enlighten me. Well, I mean, jail, you'd probably learn a lot. Um, you'd have a lot of stories. <laughs> stories you might not want to tell. Yeah, definitely don't be nobody's you know what, but uh, yeah, you, you'd build some character when you came out, and I would say you'd appreciate the real world a lot more than if you were in a coma and then just wake back up and it's just a new thing. But being in something like that would probably show you, like, hey man, I, that's somewhere I don't want to be, and it's awesome out here, and you know, make the most of it. So, Daniel, is it a is it even though you're a you were a pitcher and you say coma, is it a pitcher thing? Because all the baseball pitchers seem to say jail. No, I mean, the pitchers come on here and try to be somebody they're not. <laughs> Look, I, 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 don't need, I, I don't need to know about what it's like. I know what it's like. And I don't even have to be there. And guess what? I don't want to go. Give me, ten, <laughs> give me 10 years of a nap. I'll wake up and I'll figure it out, man. <laughs> hey, this cat will probably sleep for 10 years and still have good hair and abs, so he can kiss my butt. I know that's right, man. That, that's what happened this morning. I was sleeping too good. I could barely get up and come on. All right. So ne next time we bring you on, we got it. We got some homework for you. You need right. to let let Jim borrow an ab and let me borrow an ab. Easy enough. Go, I got go, actually go, no. You can have, you can have the abs. I need the hair, bro. My hair sucks. I don't care about that. Hair is overrated. <laughs> All right, Trey, man. Any before you go, anything you want to plug or promote? Man, uh, JB was telling me to tell y'all about base. We're having an adult group. Y'all got any interest in coming up there to check that out? If you ever need a protein shake, bowl, meal, snack, acai bowl, whatever, come up there to studs. We're at the front of the building, too. Um, just all the small businesses, man. Support them, support them. That's right, baby. Hey, y'all go out. If you're if you're looking for training, you're looking for performance, whether it's you're a college athlete, which we have a bunch on or you're a high school or any kind of athlete looking to, you know, enhance your game, you know, go see them over at base sports performance. You can follow them on Instagram at base underscore sports underscore performance. And also nothing says performance better than what you fuel your body with. So go see Trey. Go see the guys over at Stud Muffins. You can follow them on Instagram at studmuffins.20. Trey, as always, man, we, we, we wish you the best. If there's anything that we can do for you in your journey, please reach out to us, and we'd love to have you back on sometime. A pleasure, man. I appreciate y'all inviting me to be on. It's been fun. 
You got it, man. That's Trey Jolly, everybody. If you like hearing his story or if you just like hearing us average Joes talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We're going to see everyone Wednesday. It's a new episode on a special night. We've got a special guest. we got college football player, NFL football player, and a Gronkowski. We're going to spend some time Wednesday night with Chris Gronkowski, and then we'll be back again the following Monday with another awesome episode where we're going to be talking with Shay Campbell, UCLA women's gymnast, probably the best gymnast in the country. Um, this has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.